The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, a poppychularadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, March 9th, 2023, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's The Flash. Please welcome my co-host, Dimitri Wujasinger. What's good, Central City? And hey, Central here. City and citizens of the world. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 9, Episode 5, which was titled Mask of the Red Death, Part 2, and aired on March 8, 2023. Here's the official synopsis. As the Red Death wreaks havoc on Central City, Barry and Iris come up with a plan and turn to Cecile for help. Barry is faced with what he thinks is his greatest mistake and the Red Death's greatest success. Keown wants to help Team Flash, but Barry can't risk losing her. Joe gives Barry a much-needed pep talk. Well, this is one of those episodes where I kind of want to jump ahead, but let's try to stay chronological. So, Dimitri, hush. We start <laughs> off with a red lightning storm over Central City, and at the CCPD, Red Death and her rogues take Kramer and the rest of the police prisoner. Uh, Kramer uses her powers, but Red Death is faster and puts the medic cuffs on her. Red Death is confident and says she will show Kramer what true justice looks like. I'd pretty much forgotten Kramer's mimic power, so it was kind of nice to see it come back. Uh, and, you know, just uh, you know, a subtle thing is the fact that Red Death was able to shake it off when no one else was able to shake it off. Uh, sh- just Taylor really Swift gives us knew how of, to shake it off. Thank you. Uh, I was, you know, I've been mocked for my Swiftian references in the past. But um, <laughs> anyway, so I think this, this was just a way of showing rather than telling just how powerful Red Death is because it was affecting her. And she literally just shook it off and, uh, uh, and took Kramer down. Um, well, did they- Jeff, what did Oh, sorry. I, I don't know if this is jumping ahead or not, but mm. did they ever explain, like, because she's not just able to shake things off. She's able to, uh, like, shake things off, but also immediately identify the type of meta that is doing the thing. I think um, I think this is headcanon, but I think it's uh, the uh, the the G word. Well, we'll just get ahead of ourselves. It's her connection to Grodd. She basically oh, has yes. full access to his telepathic abilities. So. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so, uh, Dimitri, since you jumped right in, uh, what did you think of the use of Kramer in the episode? We haven't gotten a lot of her this season, but, you know, I, I always like seeing her back. I think she's a, she's a character who has developed into a, a strong Flash ally. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, I do think she's definitely developed as a character. Um, I don't want to jump ahead any further since I'm already getting dragged for it. Um, but I do think, uh, she, she kind of, you know even though she has powers too, she kind of like serves as a, as a pulse on central city as a whole, because we see very little of central city. These seasons, we pretty much only see team flash. We, we rarely see like random people interacting at jitters or anything. So, um, I do think that, uh, 
like seeing Kramer is the closest we see to like an ordinary citizen who's trying to, you know, keep order in the city and get a handle on all these chaotic situations, etc. Um, so I, I do think, uh, I do think Kramer does that well. She's, she is a meta, but first and foremost, I think her character is very much the like no nonsense cop archetype. Um, and I think, you know, that she's very well placed in this episode as sort of a, a barometer of just how crazy things are getting. At Star Labs, Allegra is upset that Mark was left behind, but the Rogue Squad defends themselves, saying they had no other choice. Barry doesn't have his speed, and they don't have a plan, but Iris comes up with a plan to trace Ryan's feelings by having Cecile start to look for hate and thus find Ryan. Cecile finds Ryan, and also Mark, who's alive and chained up at the Red Death Slayer. Uh, Barry wants the Rogue Squad to go after Mark, but the Rogues don't want to. They want to use the element of surprise against Red Death. Keon says that if they won't go after Mark, she will, even though she has no powers, which shames the Rogue Squad into action. Jeff, what did you think about the use of the Rogue Squad in the episode overall? I enjoyed them. There was uh, an immense amount of joy that I felt with them in this episode. Uh, you know, we've gotten past the, their whole, I'm a criminal, you know, this, that, or the other. Although we did have like a, like a tiny bit of a hiccup later on, but that was more so because, you know... They thought the end was near, and so they had to do their own stuff, which I get. But for the most part, they were wonderful. They were a great little sounding board to Barry. I loved Keon guilting them. That was wonderful. Uh, yeah, it, it was enjoyable. And the three of them are just an interesting group of characters that somehow weirdly work. And... Uh, once again, the shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, because we know this, this is the final season. They already filmed, you know, like the final moments of the final episode just a mere few days ago. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, if they could have done something like this earlier in the series' run, like we could have had a really interesting, like true, you know, like rogues allyship type of thing with the Flash, maybe even like a real rogues war where, you know, Team Flash has their own rogues, kind of like what we saw here with Red Death having her own rogues, but like even bigger and better. Uh, I think that could have been really interesting. So like the potential for what could have been kind of fills my brain with just questions of like what we could have had because I, I'm really enjoying the rogues. Uh, they, they, I know that in the beginning we were like, why the hotness, you know, why the Pied Piper, I don't really remember his relationship with Team Flash. Was it good? Was, was it bad? Good terms, bad terms, and all that kind of stuff because of how they've used that character. But Goldface is always welcome. And, but somehow the three of them just work really well together. So I found them incredibly enjoyable this episode. Yeah, I've said before, I'm, I'm a sucker for a redemption arc, uh, you know, no matter how bad the, uh, the villain is. You know, I, I always like to hold up the possibility of, of redemption. And, uh, you know, again, if they'd had more time, if they had another season or something like that, you know, you could have done, uh, uh, you know, an arc of the show where Barry has disappeared, but there's a, a big threat facing Central City and, you know, the rogues have to band together. But I do like the fact that they brought them up. And there's the, always possibility we might see them again before the end of the season. I kind of doubt it, but you never know. Uh, at CCPD, the evil rogues are working on hacking the CCPD satellite because most police stations have satellites, right? Anyway, it's also that Red Death can upgrade herself. Red Death is giddy at being the judge, jury, and executioner as she sends her puppets out into the city to create her own warp police state. 
Dimitri, let's talk Red Death. It's a fine line to walk when you want to play the scene-chewing villain. She was my MVP last week. How would you like how Javicia Leslie played the increasingly unhinged Red Death? I do like that she does appear to be slowly and slowly losing it a little bit more. I would have liked just like just a hint as to why, like, oh, she's in the wrong timeline, so she's got time sicknesses. Like, it does seem like she's just kind of going a little bit more crazy, which I think took me a second to kind of catch on to. Um, I do feel like, uh, you know, it would have been a little bit better. Like, this narrative would have worked a little bit better if we knew her intentions kind of earlier in the game. Initially, I wasn't sure if she was just trying to destroy Central City uh, to sort of get revenge on Team Flash, or if she was actually trying to further her original agenda of, you know, I will eliminate crime through basically creating a robot police state. Um, You know, we eventually sort of, like, realize, oh, you know, she's just trying to do what she was doing on her world, but on Barry's world, but at the end of last episode, it makes it, it's kind of ambiguous as to whether she's just going to wreak havoc or, you know, attempt to just eliminate Team Flash, kill Barry, or um, if she's going to sort of keep this sort of quote-unquote heroic motivation in this new world that she's stuck in. So I do think Javisha Leslie played it well. I I guess I was very surprised some of the choices she made because I didn't realize at first that she was just trying to do what she had done on her home world. I'm trying very hard not to jump ahead here. Very good. Uh, the Rogue Squad sets off to rescue Mark, but to quote Admiral Akbar, it's a trap. Red Death shows up to steal the last of Barry's speed, and then, in a classic bit of supervillain overreach, how many times have I made this mistake, she monologues. She explains her plan and the source of her power, because that never blows up in your face. She tells Barry he's responsible for what's happening because of his greatest mistake, Gorilla Grodd. Now, Barry's made a lot of mistakes. I wouldn't call Gorilla Grodd his biggest mistake. But anyway, after Crisis, Grodd lost his tribe, so he took Ryan's offer and joined with her. Now, personally, I was stunned and thrilled to see Grodd again. Uh, did not know he was coming. Managed to avoid all the spoilers and, and everything like that. So seeing Grodd again was was a great surprise to me. Though, to be honest, I had completely forgotten he was supposed to be a good guy now. Uh, and we haven't seen him in person in Gorilla since midway through season six. So, Jeff, were you at all surprised by the Grodd reveal or had you uh, found out something in advance? I was completely shocked by the Grodd reveal. I was also really shocked that not this Earth's Ryan knew a whole lot about mm, this Earth's Barry Allen. That was very confusing to me. She was like, oh, do you remember when he stabbed you? And do you remember? Like, I was like, how do you know this shit? Which I guess, you know, since she teamed up with him, it makes sense that she knew that. But it's like, also, how did she know about Gorilla Grodd? Like, is there a Gorilla Grodd? On her Earth, like, I was uh, I was a little um, betwixt by this revelation. Uh, you know, I just sort of went with it, comic book logic and that sort of thing. She's the big bad of this arc, so, of course, she's going to know everything. The revelation was surprising. Um, I sort of 
but didn't, but sort of, but kind of, sort of-ish remember the Grodd arc. It, it has been a long time, so, like, when they were refreshing us on it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that is what happened. When I saw him, I was like, oh, neat, you know, this is the final season, I love a good callback, we haven't checked in with him in a moment, so seeing him again was really nice and, and a pleasant surprise. So, you know, even though we've been bitching about little things here and there uh, about the season, it is great that the showrunner is giving some much-needed sort of, like, TLC to, like, callbacks from, uh, you know, major events in previous seasons. So, while I was surprised, it was a good surprise. What I was also surprised by that Dimitri failed to reference was the fact that the helmet head wig was back in this episode in full effect. And that was very disappointing. Like, we had our girl with that beautiful Pepe Le Pew, as the professor called it, situation last week. It looked fantastic. And then we got the helmet head wig from, you know, the tail end of the, the, not the previous episode, but the episode before that, that we all complained about. And that was the wig that was in full effect this episode. And it was, um, it did not look good from any angle. It must be something to do with the. Uh, I'm I'm sure it's the same wig. The cowl, it, it's maybe. It's probably just the. Uh, yeah, the the probably just the the Suit. armor pushes it mm-hmm. up or something like that. Yeah. Um. At Star Labs, Barry and the Rogue Squad debrief, and then the Rogues split. Keon feels helpless because she's kind of well helpless. But Iris gives her a pep talk and tells her she has a place and she'll find her use. For example picking up a gun no no don't do that keon ends up kissing mark and wakes him up uh keon i know you've only been around for a couple of weeks but you can't run around kissing unconscious people it's called consent look it up but the kiss seems to involve some meta powers as there's a brief burst of cold uh jeff and i've talked since the the first episode about uh keon uh dimitri what are your thoughts uh we were sort of like it seemed semi in agreement that keon was going to be some sort of you know nature goddess type figure but in this case she kisses mark and there's the burst of cold and then he wakes up like cinderella or sleeping beauty what do you think is up cinderella with sorry <laughs> okay i w- it looks like from the episode preview we'll find out next episode but i was fully expecting to find out this episode that like whatever keon's power was i was fully expecting when she was like Oh, yeah, I have no powers, but since you guys won't save Mark, I'll save Mark. And then, you know, she's going to get shot at or something, and suddenly her powers will magically appear. Um, I was very surprised that that did not happen. I was I was kind of taken aback when essentially, you know, she kisses Mark, but that's kind of all the clues we get to you know, her being somehow powered. Um, and uh, I wasn't I wasn't sure what to make of that. Like, does she have healing powers? Does she, you know, have like, does she just she stimulate whatever meta ability you have? Because he exhales cold after. What'd you say? I said she has the power of love. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Maybe uh, it it looks. But Chilblain isn't a meta, right? He he has his gauntlets. No, he's a human. He's 
Oh, right. He's only human. You know what? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just I, saying, I have no idea so. what her power is. But I was fully expecting that her powers would be revealed as a part of this climax. I don't know if you guys were, but I really thought she would be in the, the fight against Red Death, um, you know, in the final battle or whatever. I was expecting a different twist, which I'll get to uh, a little bit later. Uh, Jeff, do you have any modifications of your uh, Kion thoughts? Okay, I enjoy Kion. She is adorable to me. Um, I am enjoying what Danielle Panabaker is doing with the role. Um, I found it fascinating that I feel like Kion has gotten more screen time with Iris in these past couple episodes than Caitlyn has in like the entire series' run. Which, I mean, there are certain rumors online. I'm not going to dive deep into them. If y'all want to go down that rabbit hole, you, you can do a Google search or you can search on Twitter. Um, there are a whole bunch of theories about that. Um, so I don't have any information on that, so I can't even comment on that. But I think it's, it is it is kind of funny that Keon has gotten a lot of screen time with Iris. I'm enjoying their chemistry. It's interesting. And um, I still think Keon is some sort of Mother Nature type of... Uh, metahuman it, it's interesting that they're kind of building up cecile as being like this all-powerful like you're the most powerful meta in the world and uh, while yes she has very impressive powers that keep on growing and growing and growing each time that we see her and each time that there's some new obstacle that the team has to overcome if keon is as we're kind of guessing if she's like a mother nature type of uh metahuman i feel like that's gonna be even more op than how they're making cecile and uh, i do remember professor you did say at a certain point on the podcast that you had read some sort of article that said that keon would be very important according to the show showrunner to like the big 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 final big 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 battle of the big 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 series finale so yeah i kind of feel like her powers have to be something fantastical and uh but my worry is that she's going to be like a quick fix for stuff. And I hope that's not the case. But if they're going to make her redonkulously OP, then she will become a quick fix for stuff. And then they kind of did that with our friend over on Supergirl. You know, they were modifying her powers every other episode. Um, so maybe this time when we see her again in a couple weeks, she'll have different powers that she'll be using on the Flash. I don't know. But um, I am kind of just a hair worried that they're going to make her ridiculously OP. Joe comes to talk to Barry and strap yourselves in, kids. This is probably our last Papa Joe pep talk. And I'm just now realizing I should have been calling them Peppa Joe talks all along. Like Jeff, Peppa Pig? Go back and edit the word Peppa. Uh, into every time I've said Papa Joe over all the uh, yeah, the I'll do that. Yeah, like Peppa okay, Pig, there's, right? There's not that many. Exactly like Peppa Pig. Joe tells Barry that he needs to believe that the seeds he's planted and others will grow. So Barry goes to find Grodd. He asks Grodd to help him save the world and appeals to Grodd's better nature. And it somehow works. Grodd decides to help Flash and stop helping Red Death. As I said earlier, I love a redemption arc. I always like when the baddies have a face turn, particularly when it's it's karmic, right? Barry has helped them in some way in the past, and then they do him a solid in the present. Uh, Dimitri, what did you think about the scene with Grodd? And did you think the idea of, oh, and I left a little bit of my speed force hidden in the monkey's brain, sorry, ape's brain, wasn't that a bit of a cheat? Yeah, I mean, this show has lost all semblance of any sort of sense. I am not a fan of the, you know, talk no jitsu endings, 
but it did like I felt like it was shadowed early on that they're very clearly gonna shoehorn some talk no jitsu into this into the ending of this arc just because I guess some people like it and it is a very quintessentially Barry thing to do. It felt like a little bit too much of like a, a convenient plot device, but I don't know. Uh, just kind of, just kind of rolled with it. I would have loved to see Barry take down Red Death without powers. That would have been great. Um, I think a lot of you know shows with super super powered heroes have like an episode or a storyline where the hero, you know, has to save the day with no powers, but uh, but I guess not. Um, so I, I, I was gearing up for a more exciting solution just because I thought they would kind of break the formula a bit, but no dice. The repowered Flash and Red Death fight racing around Central City. Now, we've seen a lot of these speedster fights over the years. This one I thought was kind of cool. Red Death was throwing negative speed batarangs and Barry created a shield. Just as she gets the upper hand, the Rogue Squad shows up and fights her as well. And here's where the second delightful surprise of the episode happened, because I was absolutely sure this was the classic superhero trope of the good guys down, about to get pasted by the uh, the big bad. But the second stringers step up, not to defeat the big bad, but just to delay them long enough for the hero to recover. Instead, a batarang flies in from off screen. And honestly, I was thinking, who's throwing a batarang? Where's that batarang come from? What is this? It's the real Ryan Wilder, a.k.a. Batwoman. It's our Ryan Wilder shows up, and we get a Ryan Wilder versus Ryan Wilder fight. As they fight, the Flash takes Red Death's armor, and our Ryan knocks out the Red Death. Victory! The Rogues make a meta joke about Central City always being crazy. It's a Wednesday. Whew, a lot to unpack there. Jeff, what did you think about the speed fight? The appearance of our Ryan Wilder. We had talked last week about the big question was, well, what has happened to our Ryan? Uh, and what you like? Think about the Ryan versus Ryan fight. Okay, I did not expect this at all. It was spectacular. She looked amazing. And I'm saying that as if we haven't been seeing Javicia Leslie the past couple weeks. But she, as Ryan Wilder, our Ryan Wilder, looked luminous. She was gorgeous, spectacular. The the fantastic wig, the um, the the fight choreography, the Ryan on Ryan action. Uh, it was just amazing. The rogues were really good too. You know, the fact that they actually came back and they were like, we're going to save our city. Love that. All of it was amazing. The meta joke, uh, not meta human joke, but the meta meta joke was chef's kiss. I love Javicia Leslie's laugh. It was delightful. It was there, if there was only one thing that I would say was completely missing from this entire interaction, and even the next one, I'm not going to dive deep into that because that, that was magical as well, but the one thing that I was really wanting the answer to is Ryan Wilder was like missing in action for like a month and a half or whatever the hell it was in uh, yes. Gotham City. I just needed the answer to like a stupid line like, oh, I was undercover, you know, and I had to get out of undercover because I heard what was going down in Central City. Something stupid like that would have been for me like the chef's kiss of uh, both of the scenes with OG Ryan Wilder because it just seems like why mention it? 
um, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago. Like, why mention it? And I get it. They mentioned it a couple weeks ago so that we would think it was our Ryan Wilder that went bad. But, like, there needed to be just a little line. That's all that I would have liked. Just a tiny little mention, a reference as to her being missing. That's all that I would have asked. But outside of that, it, you know, after seeing Javicia Leslie be basically batshit crazy for, like, the past couple of episodes, it was so nice to see, like, a sane Ryan Wilder on our screens being a motherfucking badass. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And I loved the theme in the background. It was just, it was, was spectacular. I was going to mention that, yes. Spectacular. It was, it, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, like, hearing that music as she shows up, it was just like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, that worked so well. Dimitri, beer, beer, I want to ask beer. you the same question I was asking Jeff. Uh, your reaction to the fight, uh, the introduction of our Ryan Wilder and the Ryan v. Ryan fight. But I also wanted to ask, were you at all bothered that the Flash, the titular star of the show, was not the one to take down the Big Bat? No. Maybe because I love Batwoman so much and feel it was canceled far too soon. But I was happy for him to just move out of the way and have uh, Ryan handle things. I am with Jeff, though. The whole, like, where have you been unanswered question did kind of bug me. I The same thing. I just needed a line as to, you know, why, you know, we, we hear that Ryan Wilder is missing. Because... The last time a Batwoman went missing, you know, there were some major changes to Batwoman when, quote-unquote, Batwoman came back. Um, like, it it did seem like the storyline wasn't fully wrapped up, but I loved seeing Ryan Wilder kick Ryan Wilder's ass. Uh, it was great to see Javisa Leslie sort of in, like, at her peak, in my opinion, you know, the full like superhero swagger um, that we all love so much because uh, you know we've been seeing Javisha Leslie, but we we've been seeing sort of you know the the Bizarro version. I I was happy with the fight. I also thought the the Batarang versus Speed Force Shield. I mean, it kind of makes Barry a little Green Lantern esque, but it was also, I mean, it was huge huge heavy heavy cgi but it was a little bit of a break in the formula for the cgi which i appreciated usually it's just you know basically a race and they don't really do much else you just sort of see two streaks of light go across your screen um so the i really liked you know the sort of nod to you know this is uh you know this is a bat person uh, that Barry is fighting and the use of the batarangs, I thought was cool. I forgot to mention. And I think it was. Oh, can sorry. I just quickly say when uh, Evil Ryan Wilder used her electrical powers as a rope to swing into yes, Barry? Yes, that Batman touch. Yes, but it was just because we've never seen Barry do something like that. I hope he has learned some tricks. Like I don't expect him to use you know electrical batarangs or something, but I hope he uses that you know to like swing at a at a baddie at some point because that was brilliant. Yeah, I love that. And and again, you know, the idea, you know, we mentioned, uh, you know, before the, uh, you know, the, the shout outs to uh, to to Batman lore. Uh, but yeah, you know, seeing her in action swing like that, that looked like, you know, a, a Batman or a Batwoman or a Batgirl panel uh, from years gone by. I also think it was it's kind of clever, the idea of, you know, having the uh, oh, the the negative speed force powered Batarangs just to sort of, you know, put the idea of the Batarang in the viewer's mind. 
so that when the real Batarang shows up, there's that moment of recognition. Because if it hadn't been there, we might not have immediately recognized it as a Batarang. So I thought that was uh, kind of a clever ploy as well. Uh, at Star Labs, Chester fangirls about Batwoman almost as much as Dimitri just did. Argus has Red Death in custody. Barry explains how he got his speed back. Grodd's a good guy again and stars helping to find his tribe. Ryan goes back to Gotham, but not before inviting Iris to join her, Kara, Alex, and Nia at their monthly mimosa get-together. It took nine seasons, but Iris finally has friends. This has been a very important uh, episode. Although, as we'll soon see, Iris won't be drinking mimosas anytime soon. Joe tells Cecile that being a parent is the most meaningful thing he does, but he can't ask Cecile to stop being a hero. He decides that he and Jenna need to move to the country while Cecile stays in Central City and visits them on the weekends when they can have some quality time away from the craziness uh, together in the country. Joe loves the plan. Cecile loves the plan. Dimitri, do you love the plan? Obviously, driven by external factors, Jesse L. Martin has another show. We've talked about not liking Joe's motivation, feeling it was a little uncertain. So how do you like how they resolved it? I hated it. Um, I mean, it makes no sense. It's not like, oh, we can guarantee that supervillains only strike on weekdays. So it does seem like, you know, the concerns that Joe had aren't really going to be resolved by this sort of move to the country. And, you know... The girl also, you know, needs her mom and ideally would see her mom, you know, more than two days a week when when her mother and father are married and together. Uh, it makes no sense. I understand that, you know, there's scheduling issues and stuff. It also it also seems very on Joe like to be like, I right, you go like risk your life. I'm out. Um, it just, it, it felt weird. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, like we said, we, we know there's kind of external factors here, but I wish they had found a better solution sort of in, in universe. Uh, yeah. So, uh, we close a farewell party at the West house where Joe gives an emotional speech, probably as much to his fellow actors and maybe to us fans as to the characters he was talking to. Allegra and Chester kiss again and everyone watches them. They're official and the longest running, slowest burn, least cared about relationship in Arrowverse history is finally on. Iris gets dizzy and sits down only to be told by Keon that she's pregnant. Ah, uh, Keon, never tell a woman she looks pregnant. Trust me. So Iris is pregnant, but earlier than Barry was planning at the risk of spoiling an overall happy ending of the episode. Because it was a happy ending, you know, Jesse L. Martin got his goodbye, uh, we said goodbye to his character, he'll obviously be back before the end of the season, um, but I was just dreading that there'd be a stinger, you know, something popping up, something, you know, the evil coming, but no, we got our happy ending. But Jeff, the fact of the matter is, Iris is pregnant sooner than expected, which would seem to argue that whoever she's going to give birth to ain't going to be excess. Do you think there's going to be any consequences to Iris's pregnancy happening early? Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. Think see, about it. The only yeah. way for excess to have been born. So if they you know, had sex three weeks earlier or three months earlier, then a different sperm is going to meet with a different egg, and it's going to be a different person being born. That is true. That's biology, listeners. Yes. Um, okay. 
So, a lot of things to unpack. I will get to that in just half a second, because I was not asked about Papa Joe and the whole situation. Jesse L. Martin, fantastic in this episode. Um, I still, I, I'm, I'm incredibly frustrated, much like Dimitri, based off of just how they wrote him out. I'm, I'm still going to repeat what I said originally. Uh, Kramer, they've become good friends. Uh, Kramer's like, I need you to go undercover for me. I know that you're retired. You have left the force, but I need you to go undercover for me in Coast City. There's something big that's going down. Um, it, you know, it's going to be like a two-month situation. Uh, can you do it? Oh, I got to think about it. Cecile, what should I do? Oh, oh, Joe, you know, you need to go do it, and this, that, or the other, and blah, blah, blah. It's for the good of the world. Okay, Kramer, I'm going to do it. That's how you get rid of him for a couple months, because clearly we're going to see him again at the end of uh, the series' run. Like, he's not going to miss the series finale. And, and that would have been a perfect way to get rid of Joe for, what is this, episode 5, and it's 13, so he'll be back for 13. So what is that, um, quick math, uh, seven episodes that he'll be missing? Like, that's, that's fine. You know, that's one way to get rid of him. I didn't understand this storyline before. I don't understand how it was resolved. In the previous scene, you're telling Barry, we're not moving to the country. In the next scene, half of us or two-thirds of us are moving to the country. Um, I don't want um, Jenna to see all of this life-threatening superheroics. But at the end of the day, I mean, the superheroics are part of your family. And she should be exposed to it because it allows her to realize that, you know, Anybody can make a difference in the world. Anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox because that whole storyline just... I understand why they're doing it, but it makes no damn sense. Now to the happy news. Uh, well, quick. Chester and Allegra, yay, I guess. And uh, Iris's response was, I think, all of our responses. Like, finally. Anywho, now she's pregnant. Yay. Um, it's early. Yay. Uh, remember, things were different uh, before. Remember, she decided to do what was supposed to happen that day, but on her own terms. I feel like that was the the moment in which the timeline branched away from the original timeline. It's not to say that mm, I disagree with you because oh, I think they, they were very careful to write in such a way that, you know, that was the day that CC media or CCC media expanded. It's just she didn't expand in the way that Barry expected it was going to. Well, but no, because I think she still did it. So because we talked back then about, you know, whether this was free will or determinism. And I thought they were still writing it as a determinist outcome that, you know, it, it wasn't the way, you know, because Barry just had the expectation that, oh, today is the day that she's going to expand her empire. It must be because of Cat Grant's offer. It turns out it wasn't, but she still did expand her empire. I will disagree with that just because, remember, Barry had the scrapbook that had everything detailed as to how it happened. So, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure if you if, if we were to go back, mm -hmm. you know, why would you? Yes. Um, I'm pretty sure it just said today was the day that they expanded uh, CCC Media. I don't think it, it was it wasn't about the Cat Grant. It stuff wasn't about. He, he, I, okay. I don't think he knew that it was going to be Cat Grant that was making the offer. Okay, okay. So if the professor's correct, because I, I will never say the professor is never never correct. I remember we have that whole ordeal with um, uh, um, the Black Canary uh, over on Arrow, which that was its own situation. But um, if if you are right, then, okay, that's interesting. If if you are somehow making a mistake, which the professor never makes mistakes, but um, but if, if you are... Thank you. 
Yes. Um, then I will go back and say that that was the moment in which the timeline sort of branched off. Um, if there is another determining factor, maybe um, that it could have been that. But because it is happening earlier, that is true, Professor. What you were asking originally in your question after I went off on both Papa Joe and uh, our new ship. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, not to, well... Not to dive in deeper into the spoiler world, but like I, you know, based off of just the amount of cast that we know that is coming back, a certain someone is coming back, but a certain other someone has not been listed as coming back, aka the sibling. So, hmm, all of that is interesting. Like, I, I do now wonder if there will be a wrinkle as to what happens in the future based off of the fact that she's pregnant and it is like way earlier than she was supposed to. Because remember, she's supposed to be getting pregnant in three months. This is now basically like at least two and a half months or two months earlier than she was supposed to. So that that's interesting. I wonder what they're going to do there. I wonder if she's going to end up having twins. So it could still actually end up working out like it happened, except now they will be twins versus an older sibling and a younger sibling. Well, and in one of the other timelines, weren't they supposed to be twins? Tis true. Like, wasn't there a reference to the twins? Yes. And it was it was later, you know, after a crisis or after, you know, any one of the number of times they'd messed the timeline, that it became that uh, that excess was, you know, somewhat older uh, than impulse. I like it. Uh, anyway, it is uh, – before we move on to the MVP section, uh, was there anything else anyone wanted to mention? Any Easter eggs, little moments, uh, uh, anything like that? Dimitri, Iris is pregnant. We need to hear your opinions. I mean, it ain't my Dimitri, baby. Iris has friends. Um, we need to hear your opinions. Oh, yeah, she has friends too. Yeah, and our, our well, girl Keon was important to the plots at the end. Iris has friends. I mean, would be nice if she had more than one. You know. Well, assuming that the other three will accept her into the group. Alex Danzers will that. accept her, and the fact that Neo is coming up in a future episode, I will assume she accepted her too. My hope is that we get a little callback from Nia, like, oh yeah, wasn't it cool when we had you for for brunch? You didn't have the mimosa because you're pregnant, but you know you had a little orange juice. Like, I hope we get a callback. Yeah, that, that sounds totally worth the wait. <laughs> okay, um, good. I... I like to see, you know, um, Iris, uh, you know, having friend. I do miss kind of the the CCC Triforce um, now that you know uh, Cisco and his Bay are gone. Uh, but uh, I do kind of wish, um, I wish she had a little bit more community. But I guess this is just sort of the way it is. It She's does look that. Yeah, yeah, it does look like Keon and her are maybe going to have a friendship. We were just reminded that Keon is technically only a few weeks old, <laughs> yes. but okay. Yeah, so Iris is making friends with the toddler. Oh, joy. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's going to have a, a pre-toddler. She's not going to have uh, to burp her, though. The, well, Keon, Keon or the baby? <laughs> I uh, hope not, Keo. I mean, I mean, I mean, she might have to burp both of them. We we don't know, but uh, but yeah, um, I I did have a sneaking suspicion that before this show ended, Iris would be pregnant, or it would be one of the last things we find out, like in the finale. 
Um, so I guess it might as well happen here. I'm guessing we will see babies, you know, on the last episode or something. Uh, baby or babies. Uh, I do think the twin thing is interesting. I didn't read too much into the fact that she was pregnant early. I just thought it was like, fuck the scrapbook. Like, you control your own destiny. But mm-hmm. I'm still expecting us to wind up with excess and impulse. I, I wasn't expecting any major changes there. Oh, interesting. And, Professor, you had this magical, wonderful theory about the season. I know. My timing of it, yeah. I, I calculated because it was the three months and the 13 weeks of the series. So I figured if they ran it in sort of like tracking real time, uh, we would reach that, that point at which she was supposed to become pregnant would coincide with the last episode. Um, but, uh, yeah, nope. It was uh, one of those those great theories like uh, Jefferson Pierce becoming mayor that uh, uh, I never saw. Yes. It's time for the MVP. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. And sorry, guys, I'm going to go first again this week. I don't do it very often and only when it's really, really important to me. So I'm going to choose the obvious MVP, and I'm sorry to you both because I'm choosing Goldface. Man, he was a delight in the episode. He had these great lines. Uh, he was the one who, uh, who uh, you know, sort of showed up. Um, he was just delightful, uh, you know, in terms of, and even, you know, his line about, you know, uh, going off to, uh, to try to patch things up with Amunet. I just, I keep hoping those two crazy kids can make it work together. So my MVP is Goldface, and I'm sorry for taking the obvious first choice from one of you, but uh, Dimitri, who is your MVP and why? Gotta give it to Ryan Wilder. Um, really? It hmm. was just <laughs> such a great, uh, I don't know, um, reunion is the wrong word. Just re-entrance to RTV screens. So much swagger. I, I, I felt the same way Chester felt when he meets her. Um, the one thing that disappointed me a little bit was it's very clearly sort of their first meeting and you know i would have loved to see you know more arrowverse crossovers that included her i would love to see her shading oliver queen um i would love to see her you know befriending kara but i given that we're so late in the game i would have almost loved to like have them be friends already like, oh, yeah, Ryan, well, yeah, we get brunch all the time. Or, you know, I was wondering why you didn't show up the past few weeks or something. Like, just sort of let them be friends already instead of it's just now starting. And we'll see how far it gets given, you know, uh, Iris, I almost said Ryan, but Iris is about to have a baby. And, you know, it gets harder to see your friends who have babies once they have babies because babies uh but you know i'll take i'll take the little hint at a friendship uh for what it's worth fans have been clamoring on that for a while if you follow them on ig um they've posted some pretty cute videos together um so all in all i thought it was a great re-entry to to the arrowverse i still feel robbed of another season of batwoman but given that that's not gonna happen I think this was the next best thing. Well, and Javicia has a lead on another show already. So, yeah, whatever chance there was of that, uh, you know, those things uh, get more distant with with every passing uh, week, it seems. Jeff, who is your MVP and pourquoi? I love how you threw shade at his choice. Um, 
which I was like, okay. I hope you hope you don't throw shade at mine. Papa Joe. A Peppa Joe. Papa Joe? Really? Yes, Papa Joe. A Papa Joe gave the pep talkiest pep talk that he'd ever pepped and talked. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. His speech at the end was uh, wonderful as well. I may question the storyline choice, um, but that's on the writers. That has nothing to do with the amazing and wonderful Jesse L. Martin. If this is the last time that we see him before... No, 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 I'm saying before the finale, then this was a really good uh, official send-off for the character. I I was actually going to say during this podcast, this was, um, I was like thinking about this during the episode before we got the big speech at the end. I was like, we have seen a lot of Jesse L. Martin, and supposedly we were not supposed to see a lot of him this season. And so I guess, you know, they... They did a whole bunch of the beginning, so they, he'll disappear a little bit, and then in the finale, he'll make his grand return. But for this being his official send-off, in air quotes, uh, from the series until we inevitably see him again at the, maybe the closing shot of uh, the final episode where he's reunited with his um, family and makeshift family, this was a really good, once again, air quotes, send-off for the character, and Jesse L. Martin did a fantastic job just doing what he's done since day one, and and it's, you know, be basically the heart of The Flash. Okay, time to rate the episode. How would you rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in The Flash Museum. Jeff, what is your rating? You know what? I'm going to give it a solid 10. I gave the previous episode a 9.5. I'm going to give this one a solid 10. I, I thought it was really interesting. Everyone had something to do. There were some surprising plot twists for me. Uh, we had a very good resol- You know what? Fuck it. Uh, I'll give. It, I'll. I'll archive it. I'm talking myself up as I'm as I'm discussing this because it is true. It was really well done what they did, and I was surprised many times throughout this episode. And everybody was used really well. And it, this is the Papa Joe quote unquote send off. Uh, we had Ryan on Ryan action. Um, don't Google that. You might find something a little weird. Um, and uh, we had a good little wink and nod to Batwoman. Iris is pregnant. Oh, I forgot to mention this. But when Javicia Leslie as Ryan Wilder, our Ryan Wilder, leaves the scene and she does a little cape flick. And they oh, use yeah. that as I an editing thing. Amazing. So for the cape flick alone, it's archivable. But um, everything else was so damn good. You know what? I will archive it. Uh, Dimitri, how would you rate the episode? I'm going to give it an 8.5. Uh, I did not love it as much as Jeff did, clearly. I think, uh, you know, the the whole Grot, Grot uh, storyline was a little shoehorned in, and the sort of talk-no-jitsu moment felt both really forced and really rushed. Um, but I did, I did think that, you know, we got a decent payoff to the Red Death arc finally got to see chester and allegra together that almost feels like it's missed its moment i think a few episodes ago i would have been like oh cute but now i'm just like yeah yeah come on keep it moving so yeah the main storyline was engaging um you know the final fight was you know kind of cool um but some parts still felt like a little jagged uh so yeah 8.5 for me um, for me, it wasn't a perfect episode, but I'm still going to archive it. I think, you know, with this being our farewell to Papa Joe, uh, 
uh, I think that uh, that increases the significance of it. As I said, the two surprises, uh, you know, took me totally by surprise, and I was delighted by both of them, um, especially the little touches they had, like, you know, as I said, the Speed Force Batarangs and, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, Red Death swinging like Batwoman, you know, on a line. Uh, and then, you know, just uh, Javisha coming into the old Batwoman theme. Uh, it, it really got me. I just absolutely loved that moment. And yes, the cape flourish at the end felt a little, yeah, it, it almost felt like they'd done it you know, four or five times. And then Javisha did that one for fun. And in the editing suite, they thought, yeah, let's use this one. Uh, but for me, I, you know, just, you know, seeing Batwoman again, our Batwoman, uh, and also saying goodbye to Joe. Uh, I think this was, uh, you know, a pretty significant episode. So I'm going to archive it for those reasons. Join us next time for a brand new installment of The Central City Citizen. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Central City Citizen and subscribe. Thanks now for my co-host. Please wish the listeners a good night, starting with Dimitri. Good night, Central City, and farewell for now, Papa Joe. And Jeff. Good night, Central City. Farewell to Papa Joe for the moment, and farewell to uh, Ryan Wilder and Gotham City. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the Central City Citizen by Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. New episodes release every Friday. You can also download the entire series by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Good night. <laughs>